in a world where literature is dominated by dusty leather-bound books with no pictures. Three men dare to venture to their local comic shop to approach the counter and utter those three magic words. Make mine paperback. Welcome in and welcome back to Make Mine Paperback, a podcast about comic books and the $2 rubber Captain Kirk mask with removed eyebrows and sideburns, teased hair and painted flat white and known as The Shape. The mask was one of four options and the only one finally chosen as the mask to be worn by Michael Myers in the 1978 film Halloween. I'm Graham Giles, babysitting for the evening. With me, as always, other hot teens in for some terrible trauma. In 1963, while making love for the first time, he was murdered by his little brother, beaten to death by Detective Comics, Stephen Shear. And he wants me to watch this kid for just a little while so he can go on a date, mischievously murdering for Marvel, Alex Shear. This week, we continue our theme for the month of October, the spookiest characters in comics. To introduce our book this week, Stephen... Well, this week we are going to talk about Batman The Dark Knight, number 10, Cycle of Violence, where we get introduced to Jonathan Crane, also known as Scarecrow. But before we get to that, what'd you read this week, Alex? This week I dived into a collection of comics called Vision and the Scarlet Witch. And as they are appropriately titled, they are comics primarily depicting the story and life of Vision and Scarlet Witch. So you get a little bit of old school X-Men action, a little bit of Avengers action. Some good reads there. It's a nice little collection. I actually bought that a couple months ago. Finally got to sink my teeth into that. So good read. Really love seeing the the evolution of the two characters over time through different different artists, renderings, different storylines, things like that. So Oh, so it's kind of a collection of the two of them together. Yeah, it, and and it was released kind of, I, I think it was released not in time with the show WandaVision, but it was released shortly after it was announced. Somebody was like, hey, let's put the collection together. And yeah, so again, very appropriately done. Yeah, that's good. It's good to hear. What about you, Graham? You know, I didn't get a lot of uh, comic reading in this week. Uh, I continued my uh, reading of the Zero Hour storyline and finished that. Um, and I'm excited to, uh, now that I've finished that, I'm ready to jump back into uh, my uh, Green Lantern uh, reading through that one. So I get to jump back in and watch Kyle Rayner do some Green Lantern stuff. Well, that's always exciting. Who doesn't love the Green Lanterns? Um, so this week, this week I, I actually continued uh, Invincible. I've been chipping away at that. There's a lot of issues to get through. Uh, I'm enjoying every issue so far, but it's a lot of work to be done. Yeah. So. <laughs> so I just a got log of interviews or issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just uh, got to the part where he is—he's getting his first arch nemesis now, finally, because he can't be a proper hero without having a rogues gallery and. One of the most iconic rogues in Batman's gallery happens to be Scarecrow. He is uh, one of Batman's oldest villains. He's been in so much Batman media. I mean, the uh, Arkham games, he was the key villain in that one. He was in Batman Begins. He's in pretty much everything Batman, and including 
Titans, which is a show on HBO Max, which is a more adult version of the Teen Titans show. But he's the main villain in season three of that show as well. Uh, Scarecrow, just uh, just in case if you didn't really know anything about him at this point, which I don't know, uh, you know, who really doesn't know Scarecrow at this point. But um, he is a former psychologist. He was actually a genius uh, at psychology. Uh, he was bullied a lot as a kid. And that kind of led him to actually be, as Jonathan Crane, a coward. So then he adopts this supervillain persona, Scarecrow, which he is using to help conquer his fears. Because as Jonathan, he's very afraid. So he's hoping as Scarecrow, he can master his fear. And as part of that, because he is a psychopath, he loves to put people through their own worst nightmares as well. Um, So in this issue, we start out with Scarecrow stitching up his face. While singing, um, putting you know that's quite an image to start with, and even since this is the first issue, we don't uh, you know the story's just beginning, and all we know is that Scarecrow is has is kidnapping kids, and and that's where we begin. So, uh, what were you, what were your first impressions, Alex? What did you think of uh, kind of that intro of of Scarecrow stitching up his face? I think it starts out for, pretty. So, so for me, like. If you're trying to like scare the living hell out of somebody, the way you want to do it is have some guy happily singing and like he seems happy while he's singing. You want to have some guy happily singing while he's stitching up his lips so he can only hum. <laughs> and that's all you see. And that's terrifying. Like so that that for me that was a big thing. It's like that gives you a very clear image of who this guy's going to be, what he's about. And he he doesn't care. He has no emotion. He has no feeling. And that's kind of what I took away from that initial introduction was that he's just very much whatever. I'm going to do what I'm what I'm going to do. And keep going. Well, I think we talked about last week a, a villain who does things for no reason is scary. But I think sometimes villains who do things that they think are benevolent are even scarier. Um, and in this case, I think we, uh, you know, this is going a little bit outside of the issue, but uh, Jonathan Crane's whole idea is that he's going to put people through their worst fears in order to cure them of fear in general. That's, if you experience enough fear, you're no longer need to fear anything because you've already experienced all of the fear there is. Um, and, uh, I mean, it's fear, so it's terrifying, but it's it's terrifying, this idea that, he feels like he has the cure for humanity. Yeah, and that's uh, that's kind of what the Scarecrow does quite a bit. He oftentimes finds a way to distribute his poison, his toxin, because he uses a fear toxin. Uh, like I said, he's, he's actually a genius uh, as a civilian, and I don't actually know his, uh, you know, what his uh, personality disorder would be i don't know if he's actually a split personality but yeah as jonathan he's very afraid as scarecrow he concocts this fear toxin which makes people relive their worst nightmares and he loves dousing people with it especially he he typically finds a way um and this is kind of titan shows it really well with how they portray scarecrow because he figures out a way to mass deliver his fear gas into all of gotham and he usually just does it you know he's just another person who likes to plunge the world into chaos um through uh just mass distribution of his um 
fear gas. So in this one, <clears throat> he hasn't quite, I mean, if you go on to read, you'll obviously, I just picked the first issue, but in this one, we're just focusing on the fact that he's, uh, you know, kidnapping these kids and erasing their memories. Um, which to me, like he is, he's a pretty terrifying villain. Um, especially cause he's doing it, you know, to kids. I think that definitely amps it up. Well, I, th- I think, I think there's that idea, right? It's like, I mean, there's there's very clearly a reason why Commissioner Gordon and Batman are particularly disturbed about this, and you can kind of see that within the pages. It's it, it's not like, hey, these guys are robbing banks and you know knocking out security guards. No, you're kidnapping and destroying children, which is in itself something that's just a very terrifying thought. But for it to see it unfold in comic pages, like you can clearly tell that this is something they want to figure out and figure out quickly. That's right. Even for the worst of the bad guys, villain or children are supposed to be off limits. And so for us to start our introduction to Scarecrow with, uh, he's attacking children, uh, puts him at a different level right away. Yeah. And of course, one, one thing that was, was, kind of brilliant was the scarecrow figured out a way to get took a gas commissioner Gordon. so nobody's really ever safe from the scarecrow i mean i think if if he wants if he wants to you know get to you he'll get to you and you know so he does get commissioner gordon and as you know most people who read detective comics will know that the worst thing that jim gordon has to go through is when the joker kidnaps barbara gordon his daughter Batgirl and then eventually paralyzes her so it's just that I mean that would be you know this the he you know his gas he doesn't have to even know your worst fear because his gas will do it for you so I think that alone makes him you know at the bat just a, a terrifying villain I mean he he remotely gassed Jim Gordon to make him you know relive his worst moment which I don't know about you guys but I don't know what my worst moment would be and I'm not about to find out Sure. Well, and I think, I, I don't even think it's like a worse moment. It's like a, to, you know, because I'm sure that he's had like his moments where he's been like, all right, I really suck at this or, I've you know, I failed at this. But his most terrifying realization of potential failure is really what I got from that. Like, I didn't do enough to protect you. I didn't do enough to make sure you were safe. And do I think to, and obviously I'm not a parent, you guys aren't parents, but I would imagine that being a parent, one of the most terrifying things you could experience is not doing enough to protect your child. That's how I took that anyway. Well, he's, I mean, certainly he's, he's the police commissioner and he, he wants to protect the whole city of Gotham, but no one more than his kids. And so this idea that he couldn't be there. Uh, I think that's definitely scary, and and it's something that that actually happened. It's not just a hypothetical. He knows that it happened, and he feels like he failed, and he he let his kids get hurt. And then, you know, we see in this hallucination that the first thing he sees is the kids blaming him, and then we see his kids blaming themselves for not living up to his expectations of him. And so I think we. Uh, yeah, we talk about the fear tax and making you relive your greatest fear. I think Jim Gordon has two greatest fears, and the and they're both that you know equal. That's he let down his kids 
or that his kids think that they failed him because he knows what it's like to feel like these situations that you can't really control are your fault and he doesn't want anyone else to think that way and so I think that we see the uh, the heart of Jim Gordon there but also yeah the terrible price that the fear toxin can make you pay yeah I think uh, that was an accurate uh, interpretation of Jim um, one thing uh, though on a little bit lighter note in this comic that I thought was you know is a little bit of you know levity and a pretty heavy issue was when was when Batman actually kicks the driver out of the car and uh and the then you know the that guy because he's so Scarecrow is paying people to drop the kids off because that's a very Scarecrow thing to do because like I said he's a coward so he doesn't actually want to confront people when he's not in control so he he sends these he sends people out to basically do his bidding and so one of the people he pays money to drop a kid off <laughs> gets assaulted by Batman and I just thought it was funny that he was saying, I was, you know, I'm going to sue for police brutality. And Batman's like, no, this is vigilante brutality. And it's just funny because that was just, like I said, a moment of levity. But it comes from a place of Batman just getting, I don't want to say desperate yet, but, you know, Batman's not going to mess around when kids are at stake. He has a personal relationship with that. So um, it's just kind of interesting to see even Batman getting, you know, a little bit worked up over the scarecrow already. Yeah, I mean, he definitely knows what it's like to be a traumatized kid at a young age. Well, and I was going to say this, too. You look at, you know, Batman goes in and sits with that little girl. And he's he's very Batman about it. He's very like, hey, you know, let's talk about it. Batman is very good about reading the room. He always has been as a character. He understands how to really get what he wants and he understood that this girl is dealing with trauma and just for him, you could see it even though it's not very clearly written you can just see that he's experiencing that breakdown because he's seeing this little girl completely traumatized and so he just sits there with her just like you're safe it's okay you don't have to talk I'm I'm here and just just to see that side of Batman too is is pretty wild because that's not his character, right? He's very much a I'm gonna go kick ass and take names, and you're gonna give me the info I want. And just to see the soft side of Batman recognizing just how twisted Scarecrow is and how he's ruining these children, it's it's, it's an interesting side to see. Well, I don't know that we're quite in the kinder, gentler Batman yet here. I mean, he certainly approaches the kid different than he would re- approach a criminal, but he still comes in hot. He's asking questions. He's looking for answers. And when the little girl doesn't give him the answers, that's when he says, okay, clearly this girl needs something more than an interrogation, and I'll offer her my hand, and we can just sit and uh, know that everything is going to be okay. But speaking of Batman reading the room, what about the room the little girl is in? Like it's it's labeled in the comic as the Gotham Protective Services, um, and it's she just came from this dank room that's uh, we think is underground basement or something where the scarecrow is keeping her, um, and she's terrified. And Gotham Protective Services goes, you know where we're gonna put her? The dankest room we have, the one that like the wallpaper is peeling and the lights don't work and the the bathroom is in the same room as everything else, and we're just gonna put her in there by herself in the dark. That'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, I just <laughs> that's just a very uh, Gotham thing to happen. I just 
you know, there's always everything <laughs> in Gotham. The city of Gotham's just always so run down and, and terrifying in every well, way. I was going to say, yeah, Gotham is just such a dark and, you know, dreary city anyway. Like, I mean, you're almost you're almost surprised when you see something that's bright and blinding in color. It's like, this isn't Gotham. Where are we actually at, you know? Yeah, it's almost, it's almost like you think the people of Gotham would be used to just terror all the time. You don't think... You don't think Scarecrow would really do it for him, but, you know, they have to, you know, still create storylines. So it's like they have to make, you know, amp up Scarecrow even more because, <laughs> yeah, it's just if I was living in Gotham, I don't I don't know. I don't think that would be at that point. It wouldn't even register after everything you've been through. <laughs> That's another thing we see in this issue, too, is we talk we see Batman in Batman mode trying to solve this crime. Uh, sit down, eventually give up and sit down and, and with this girl and just try and comfort her. In the, in the meantime, we see Bruce failing a couple of times with the people he loves, where he's you know, talking to his girlfriend at the time and not supporting that she's nervous to play a show. And he keeps, you know, doing the thing that Bruce Wayne can do, talking about, oh, you shouldn't be nervous. This piece is actually easy to play. Yeah. Like, that's, that's just what you want to hear. And then uh, he's not understanding, you know, why, why aren't you dressed for the show yet? You should be dressed for the show. And then we see, uh, and now now this version of Robin is is Damian Wayne. Is that right? Yes, that's yes. what I. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. They, yeah so I we see Damian come in and say, "Hey, look, I know I'm not doing what you want me to do, and I'm I'm sorry about that. I'm going to try not to kill people. I just wanted you to know that I, that I hear what you're saying." And Bruce is just. He's so distracted, he can't even give the kid a time of the day. He can't even say, like, oh, yeah, that's that's good that you're doing that. That's good that you're going to try not to kill people. Yep. Instead, he goes, what are you talking about? <laughs> Go away. I'm trying to find the scarecrow. Well, exactly. Like, I mean, you know, it's very clear that he's not listening, you know, to him. And you can you very much tell that it pisses Robin off. He's like, dude, what the heck, man? Like. And he storms out of there. He's he's all mad about it. He's like, I'm trying to be straight up with you and like, hey, you know, let's have a conversation. And you're like, yeah, whatever. Like, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's Bruce blowing him off. And we see like like Batman cares so much about these kids that he's willing to put himself in harm's way and kick the guy out of the moving car and the try and you know blow off his date in order to get out there and try and solve this case. But he forgets that he has a kid at home. Like you could you could be saving the kid who's closest to you. Yeah, it's just he's yeah you're right because it's like Batman. He's always because we did the um, you know mentor mentee at the beginning and we kind of did talk about Batman and maybe he's not necessarily the best mentor all the time and I, I just think that there's there's plenty of evidence of that in this comic and I mean he's certainly not a good uh, you know significant other either. <laughs> We've seen him unable to maintain any sort of romantic relationship so it is it is kind of interesting to see him kind of give i mean i guess it's just because he feels that sense of duty where he feels like he has to give it all to these kids on the street so then people don't end up like batman but at the same time he does forget that he has other people in his life that i mean like the reason he's so distraught is because he lost his parents so it's just you kind of think like you would want to be that better parent too because you know like the parent he didn't get so you know batman's morals really could be a topic that I'm sure many people have dissected, but well, these books, uh, Batman books in general, love to 
talk about these parent-child relationships and you know how were Batman's parents? How did they treat him? And how does Batman treat the uh, the Robins and then you know and and Damian uh, uh, under his care? And and then you know if we keep following the Scarecrow story, we recognize that Scarecrow wasn't treated great by his dad either. We see Jim Gordon freaking out about you know how did he treat his? I mean, it's all about relationships between child and parents. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good point too. If, if you do continue the story, you kind of just go on to learn a little bit more about uh, Scarecrow and a little bit of his backstory as well, where he was he was bullied heavily in high school and and he didn't have the best relationship with his dad and um, so <clears throat> you know it's just it, it is very much like Graham said it it studies the relationships that you know everybody has with their own parents or, or their own role model. You get a lot of that in, in a lot of Batman comics. Yeah. No, absolutely. You really do. And it's, and I, I think that's, that's the other part of the point of Batman comics is, is like to kind of dissect that relationship, at least to some degree. And I think that's kind of a cool, cool well, way I to spin it. Yeah. I, I think it's important to, to understand everybody's motivating factor and, and kind of what's going on here. Um, Whereas Scarecrow, he does, he doesn't have like an actual motive. He just has reasons for doing the things he does. Um, you know, of course those, like he had, he was basically just bullied his whole life and he feared everything. And so that's why he kind of even became the Scarecrow in general, because he feels like as a Scarecrow, he's almost immune to fear, like immune to fear. He just feels like he's a distributor of fear instead of, you know, Yeah, not just immune to fear, but, but in control of it, able to bend it to his will, what he wants to do with it. Um, yeah, I, I think a, you, uh, and I think uh, as a supervillain, I feel like because you know what's interesting about <clears throat> Scarecrow and really like you know the reason I like some of the classic Gotham villains is a lot of them didn't really start with superpowers. I mean, like obviously they all have unrealistic strength in some degree and that kind of thing, but with Scarecrow, he uh, you know he's just just a regular guy, and that almost makes him more terrifying because he's just a regular guy that has experienced fear long enough that he just decides that he's going to basically become like the ultimate chemist in order to counteract his lack of powers. And I think that that could add, I mean, it would be terrifying to face a villain with powers, but you've got a, a super villain or just a guy who's able to make an entire city. Basically. I mean, we see it in the Titan show. He, is able to douse Gotham to the point where everybody goes insane and the whole city gets cut off from civilization. So it's just like one guy with that much power without actually having powers, I think is kind of makes him a little bit scarier than your average villain. That's right. I mean, he's just, I mean, he is, he's incredibly smart. So he, he does have that kind of, you know, superpower, but it's not, it's not supernatural intelligence. It's just that he's, he's very intelligent. And he has this desire to make everybody feel as bad as he does. And so the combination of those two things uh, in a couple of different Batman stories brings this city to its knees. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And and I think that uh, if in terms of, you know, getting people to do what you want, I think he knows that fear is kind of the best way to do that. I think if you get, you know, I think the most, you know, like if he's able to get all of Gotham afraid of him and that's how he's able to get them to comply. And I just think that when when you talk about, you know, fear, I think fear is a very powerful, um, a very powerful emotion. 
Um, you know, he's able to get basically everybody to do what he wants just by making them afraid of him. So I think, you know, he's, he's a pretty scary guy. And, and as we saw, he's, he's not afraid to even get kids to get what he wants. So I think he's just ruthless and knows how to get what he wants. And even in some of the comics and movies and TV shows, uh, you see him oftentimes getting Gotham to turn against their classic heroes somehow in favor of him even. So I, I think he's, well, he's. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think, I think the scarecrow, that's his whole thing is that the rules don't apply to him. Um, we, you know, the, the standard rules where, you know, children are safe because they're innocent and we don't target children. And we see from the off, he's targeting children. That's, we get a brief, uh, inner monologue of Jim Gordon in this book where he's kind of describing how orderly he likes everything. And he's describing the homeless guy who lives outside his house and how that guy, he gets, he gets a buck every day or so. And, uh, he gets invited into the home for, dinners every once in a while but he knows the rules and the rules are you don't ask i invite you in because jim gordon is all about the rules that's a big theme for jim gordon that's yeah and we throughout comics all over you see that and we see the scarecrow breaking those rules him uh you know messing up the house him breaking down the order entering jim's home not fighting him on the the standard field of battle that is Gotham City, but really bringing the fight to Jim's home and really making the fight personal by making him relive these greatest fears. Um, that's, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's what makes, to me anyway, that's what makes Scarecrow so scary is that he doesn't, he doesn't listen to any of the, the commonly held norms, even for villains. Yeah. Well, and I think, well, and I think that's the other thing, right, is a scarecrow obviously in the name scary scare but i but i think that that was the point even with original scarecrows as they're not intended to be a positive thing they're intended to be something that spooks something that horrifies something that prevents you from doing something you know obviously it was designed for birds to keep them out of fields or whatever but you know he scarecrow goes to the point where his whole thing is psychological and he focuses really on the, he, he's, he's, he understands you're not going to beat me or I'm not going to beat you physically. I'm not going to beat you with gadgets. I'm going to beat you on the mental aspect and I'm going to, and I'm going to defeat you psychologically because I'm going to do things that don't make sense, such as the attacking children, things like that. I'm going to do things so outlandish, so not by the book that it's going to drive you insane, and that's going to continue to give me the upper hand. Yeah, that's that's a good point. If as a as a hero, you're you do expect even the, the some of the worst villains to. I don't want to say play by the rules, but there's certain things that you just you know there, there's certain things you would still consider criminal even for a supervillain. Like certain things you just they just don't expect. Like a superhero wouldn't expect a villain to do. You wouldn't expect him to go to that level. And so I think with with scarecrow he's he's they know immediately like you know he's jim gordon's into order um obviously batman's into more justice but when when he's able when scarecrow's able to just break the rules it clearly throws them off their game and i think that's that's probably what he's counting on is is if if he can surprise the heroes because he knows that he's going to lose in a fight to batman every day 
So he just knows that he has to break the rules in order to get any sort of, you know, leverage on them. And, and he knows that. I think he's, you know, he's, I think, obviously very smart. And I think that attacking people psychologically, I think, is, is I mean, he, he's a genius at it. There's certain times where he actually makes people go entirely insane with his fear toxin. Um, so I, I think he's just able to do all that because he's able to catch everybody off guard and... <clears throat> And you do see that in the uh, comic. I mean, <clears throat> when that uh, that homeless guy in front of Jim's, um, uh, in front of Jim's house, when he kills him too, and then you know, I'm sure that that was fairly unexpected for Jim. So I just think everything the Scarecrow does is to try to be surprising, just so then he can get that upper hand. So yeah, and before we, uh, I, I'm not sure who is supposed to have have written it, but before we see the Scarecrow enter. Jim's house we see scrawled on the fence where the homeless guy was sitting and I'm not sure if it's supposed to be the scarecrow wrote it or the homeless guy wrote it whichever one um, we see the between the emotion and the response falls the shadow what does that mean it's an excellent question (laughs) gotta say I didn't uh, between um, I already forget what it was said (laughs) (laughs) so what's written on the fence is between the emotion and the response falls the shadow um and it's it is immediately followed by a shot of scarecrow's shadow in uh in jim gordon's living room well, yeah it's got to be the emotions got to be fear and then however you respond to that i guess it's got to be i guess what the shadow so, right that, but i guess what my question is and i think it's implied that the, the shadow is scarecrow mm-hmm. uh, what i took from that scrawl is that that's how he gets to people that's how he's wiping these kids minds that's how he's you know altering his victims in general is that he causes this fear and before they have a chance to respond he inserts himself and then can choose how his victims respond to the fear because he's in control of them he steps in as the shadow between fear and your response to it well and i so i mean i feel like it's very clearly I mean, just the way it the way it is. It's very clearly that Scarecrow wrote it. You know, I, I know that you kind of briefly touched on that, but I mean, you just look at the the way the the artist rendering is. There's nothing behind the homeless guy before he dies, and then he's and then he's left dead with a pencil in his hand. I mean, I I feel like to me that that says that it's Scarecrow doing that writing. You know, that's just my takeaway on that. But yeah, no, I think I think you're spot on with that analysis. But yeah, I just, I mean, I that's so that's too. me. I think it's Scarecrow wrote that though, as a not a warning, but as a hey, pay attention kind of thing. I think he's just. I mean, I think a lot of supervillains are pretty vain too. So I do think that'd probably be something he would write, saying like, "I'm in control because I control your emotions, so I'm in control of your reaction." It's a very, I think it would be a very vain thing that would make sense for him just because he's, you know, he's, he's felt like he's been, you know, he's felt weaker compared to other people. And now that he feels like he has the power, I'm sure he would want to, he'd, he'd want to, you know, write that saying just so he lets everybody know I'm in control. Um, because whenever he takes over Gotham, he he does eventually get, I mean, he gets pretty loud about it at some point and just, just to let everybody know that, <laughs> you know, I'm the one, I'm the captain now. <laughs> what do we think how how 
what, what what's our word for the weeks or word for the months is spooky how spooky is the scarecrow well you- he's yeah i i mean i think i mean just his actions make him spooky you know obviously the the imagery of him of course is very uninviting um it's not very appealing to the mass audience it's a spooky it's kind of a creepy kind of a gross imagery of you know a guy with sewn together lips you know just so i think i think he i think he lives up to the spooky bill pretty pretty good especially through this issue yep i think he's uh one of our spookiest characters so far and that uh that last shot of scarecrow as we kind of see his hands in the foreground and his face in the background and the uh he's really assumed the full scarecrow garb with the sewn lips uh that's uh that's the stuff of nightmares um and so i think uh steven hit it out of the park with this spooky character <laughs> thank you yeah i think though and when you really think about it too i mean this is a uh, um like one of the more mainstream dc titles too so he gets put in there i mean it's his kids reading batman would would eventually encounter scarecrow so i think even you think about that even especially i think it adds the spooky factor that they're not afraid to put him in your face and say hey this guy this guy's terrifying he wants nothing more than for everybody to be scared of him right no absolutely i agree and uh steven i think you did a nice job with this one this week this is a good pick for sure thank you yeah for the spooky season spooky or spooky spooky He's been, he's so, been... <laughs> uh, to finish our uh, our month of spooky comic characters, uh, to end out our October, we have our final book on the theme. Uh, Alex, well, who are we reading about next week? Well, next week, I was torn between a couple characters, and I finally settled on Joker. And you guys can give me... All the grief you want. This is what book I know I've talked to you guys about several times before. This one, we are reading The Killing Joke. And this one is a one-shot written in 1988. And I'm really excited to read this one with you guys. This one's written by Alan Moore. Uh, Brian Boland did the art for it. The general synopsis, looking to prove that any man can be pushed past his breaking point to madness. The Joker attempts to drive Commissioner Gordon insane. Refusing to give up, Gordon struggles to maintain his sanity with the help of Batman in a desperate effort to best the bad, madman. So I'm excited to read this one with you guys. This this one has been seen in a lot of media. This is a very popular Batman-Joker story. Um, it is a one-shot. It's a little bit longer than just our standard uh, one issue, but I think you guys will blow through this one pretty quickly there's a lot to take away from it so i'm excited to share it with you guys and it sounds like we're leaving uh, jim gordon only briefly to return to him next week and we'll be looking forward to that oh poor jim gordon <laughs> that's right poor jim gordon <laughs> i mean you knew what he signed up for yeah you're the commissioner yeah, of gotham it's a, <laughs> right congrats <laughs> Well, boys, uh, do we have any parting thoughts for this week? Well, we approach the uh, Halloween. Hopefully everybody's having a good October. Hopefully you're getting some cider, bringing some comics. Enjoy your spooky season. Enjoy your spooky season. Drink the cider, get some candy, get some comics. 
it's uh it's fun it's it's good to get this season wrapped up as we look forward to the next two months of thanksgiving and christmas the three of the big holidays to wrap out the year and we started all over again in january so pretty crazy how quickly this year's flown by and pretty crazy that this is already episode eight of the show so yeah hopefully you guys have enjoyed it so far yeah hopefully you've been enjoying it too As we approach the end of our spooky season, we hope that you've been enjoying some spooky activities. We hope you go out and get a pumpkin. We hope you cut it open. We hope you remove the guts with your hands and really feel the tenuous fibers and the seeds inside. We hope you throw those uh, guts away or maybe keep some for yourself just to cuddle at night. We hope you carve the pumpkin. We hope you make beautiful lips that you then sew together as you whistle a tune. We hope you go to your local comic shop. We hope you approach the counter. We hope you don't scare the guy at the counter. We hope you ask him to make yours paperback. We'll see you next week.